from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. Wake up Friday, June 10th, 2016, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses made in America for a fraction of the normal price. The mattress industry has inherently forced consumers into paying notoriously high markups. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of retail showrooms and bypassing that savings directly to the consumer. They've made an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. <laughs> shockingly. Casper mattresses have just the right sink and just the right bounce. Why, you may ask? They use two technologies. It's a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. Yeah, that's the problem. What? I got an analog mattress. Oh, you got to go with the hybrid. Digital. Yeah. Yeah. Yours is only using one type of technology. That's the problem. No, mine uses only <laughs> mattress technology. Yeah. Casper mattresses, you may say, you know, what's a shockingly fair price, right? Uh, $16,000. for a twin size mattress and and $950 for a king size, comparing to like industry averages of like $1,500 a mattress. That's a great deal. Now, how do you try it out? Now, listen. You uh, you have to borrow one from a buddy. No, Casper has a risk-free trial and return policy. You can try sleeping on a Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Can't beat that. And Can't. it's not, and it's very, we talk about this, the delivery method is crazy. Yeah, it shows up in a box the size of one of those, like, uh, dorm room fridges. Those oh. little ones? Oh, wow. yeah. You know? Oh, that, yeah. That, that's about how big the box is. And then you open it, and then... you ever see the Dick Van Dyke episode where he oh. inflates an inflatable boat in the hallway closet? <laughs> no. <laughs> Have I? Um, <laughs> that was most of season two. <laughs> basically, that's what happens when you uh, buy the Casper. Uh, but there's a special offer right now. You can get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash relevant. Terms hmm. and conditions apply. Uh, Casper.com slash relevant. Go do that. Neat. Yeah, I have uh, a Casper mattress at the house. It's what Cohen sleeps on. Yeah. So every night... It's like comfortable. Uh, it's, I crawl in bed with him to read bedtime stories, and, yeah. and, and, and I'm continually reminded how wonderful Casper mattresses we are. We had a Casper mattress here in the studio at one point in what was kind of an odd test. We all just laid on a mattress together. Yeah, I believe. But it was cozy. We, we had a roving <laughs> microphone over there, and yeah, we got yeah. a live play-by-play. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. odd. I had a, I had a good I, radio. Yeah, it made for great radio. <laughs> radio. There's two rules for radio. One is no dead air. That's yeah. what you are. Yeah. And then two, as many roving remotes, remotes that involve lying on mattresses as possible. I, uh, I also had a <laughs> friends over for like a not a dinner party, but just a, a light gathering. Had the mattress right in the f- middle of the floor. In so, other words, I'm not feeding you. So, so yeah, every, well, no, I had snacks. <laughs> so, but, but I'm saying I had it out. Heavy hors d'oeuvres. I had it out to get a group consensus of the cast where everybody enjoyed it. And then I took it upstairs, put it in Cohen's room. So, what's the count of people that laid on this before, ca- before, <laughs> before my son? Oh, probably about 20. 
Good. Well, uh, nice. Right. Broken in. Yeah. 20 people, two types of technology. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Jasper, that, we don't judge. Yeah. <laughs> if that, uh, if that <laughs> intro music is any indication, it is still the boys of summer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. Here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffolds. You're dangerous, Goose. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> On the ones and twos, our producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. And on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. I started sweating profusely as soon as the first Kenny Loggins riff hit. <laughs> my, my adrenaline is dangerously high right now. And testosterone, should I add. Just a surge as soon as that riff started. That seems like a movie that should be made again or a second version of it, right? Was there a Top Gun 2? No. Electric no, there, there was a no. knockoff, though, and I want to say, <laughs> I don't know how I know this. I'm trying to, it was either Charlie Sheen, I'll Someone's going to correct me. It was either Charlie Sheen or Nicolas Cage was in a knockoff involving helicopter pilots like the year, oh, like two years later. Oh, man. Bummer. Oh. I'm going to look that up while we're talking. <laughs> it right. had to have been terrible. Well, uh, Adam Smith, who uh, joined us on the show last week to fill Joyce's spot while she's out on assignment for a couple weeks. She's, got, she's deep in assignment. He, he was, uh, she'll be back next week. Yeah, yeah, last time we heard her, we heard foreign voices in the background, <laughs> and she was speaking in code, and it was like, it's dangerous. Yeah. But she takes her craft seriously. Um, she's a method reporter. <laughs> um, uh, Adam was supposed to join us again this week, but they had their baby. I know, and I thought it was yeah. kind of selfish of him not to come. And they're still in the hospital. If they weren't in the hospital, they would have. He would have been on this week because they don't have like internet in the hospital. I think Australian hospitals have not yet. They're, gotten they're, it. they're on dial-up. No, still, no, yeah. they don't have the bandwidth. Yeah, so, wow. Um, little, yeah, little cute baby. I yeah, saw it, a and it, the the film from 1990 is called Firebirds, and oh. it stars Nicolas Cage as oh, a wow. <laughs> Apache helicopter fi- pilot. <laughs> just a couple years after Top Gun, but All that right. was Nick Cage pre him peaking or right around that time. Right? I mean, it wasn't like now where it's you kind of laugh at it. I think he was still considered at his peak a poor man's Tom Cruise. Like I think his peak was a was a uh, Apache helicopter pilot to Tom Cruise's F fourteen Tomcat, you know, fighter pilot. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I do think this was at the pinnacle of his career. Wow. Wow. Got to see that movie. I well, guess. well I, I wish I had an opportunity. A little to foreshadowing fight. to an announcement that's going to happen in a couple minutes. But yeah. let me tell you first what is coming up on the show today. Dustin Kinsru, uh from Thrice joins us. They have a brand new album out called "To Be Everywhere Is to Be Nowhere." Came out last week, and it's the highest selling debut of their illustrious career. So Thrice oh, yeah. is back and wow. bigger than ever. It, it debuted number fifteen on the Billboard Top Two Hundred. That's yep. huge! That's wow. Hu- Big big album for yeah, Thrice. That's crazy. Big deal. Uh, also, also coming up after that, we talked to Chad and Carrie Hayes, the Christian uh, screenwriting brother duo behind the new horror film The Conjuring Two, which opens in theaters today. Uh, we talked to them about uh, the faith elements behind the film, why culture is so drawn to supernatural stories. It is a fascinating conversation. Now, can I say this? Yes. I am sure the movie is very well, good. Well, Chandler's seen it. Channing, I, I saw it. What there was, was it like? A couple nights ago. How scared? How ha, have you slept since then, Chandler? Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, I had some some nightmares. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, it, it was good. It was good. Very well done. Uh, Chandler uh, w- escorted a, a nice young lady to this screening. Oh, yeah. Who, <laughs> well. who 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 I happen to know, and she well, was telling me, well. uh, not that they went together, but she was telling me that the film. Let's while pa- she's let's, not, let's pause there. Mm-hmm. Chandler, did you buy mm-hmm. go out to dinner with her beforehand? Did not. 
Did you have the any... Screenings are a little bit early when did they you do have the pre-screenings. So I'd go out to dinner afterwards. Did not. Did you have any popcorn or refreshments there? Did not. <laughs> did Ch- you... Chan, let me ask you this. Go ahead. A, a platonic be... movie-watching experience. Oh, oh okay. yeah, sure. All right. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it's, yeah. it's so scary. I mean, she had to hold my hand yeah. Yeah, periodically. <laughs> yeah, by but, right. uh, totally. I mean, I would, you know, I go to scary movies with dudes and that ha- my buds and that happens. <laughs> yeah. It's... Did if there's nothing so the, ni- the nice young lady informed me. She is not into the horror genre per se. She said it's a very well done and very good movie. The cinematography yeah. was very I, impressive. I, however, yeah. with all due respect to Chad and Carrie who join us later, yeah. I will not be seeing it. <laughs> no, neither will I. Yeah. I'm too scared. Yeah, I, I, I will not see it. You don't any see any. Movie. To be no. fair... To be fair, I mean, as scary as you'll go is a Firebirds. Yeah. I mean, air-to-air combat is as scary as you want to get. And even that, when they got into a fight, I just was like, you know what? This is just raising my iron. I just can't do this. (laughs) So is there going to be a follow-up screening, Channing? (laughs) Yeah, let me ask you this. When is the... Okay, this will let us know how platonic the Conjuring 2 screening that you went to was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you already discussed uh, 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 another platonic activity that you're going to, uh, you know, do with this individual? Have not. Oh. No, just left it where it was. Is there a reason? Uh, No, no, we're not going (laughs) to... (laughs) <laughs> Channing, we've got some Chandler advice Chandler sounds for you. very uncomfortable right yeah. now. Yeah, uh, you know. S- t- t- uh, reckoning three. Uh, maybe you <laughs> can make plans for that. <laughs> he only uh, takes this platonic friend to horror movies. Yeah, <laughs> well, and it's only these this series of movies. So yeah. he's yeah, and, and, yeah, and he just keep and every time he just keeps saying, "Listen, I know it's another scary movie. If you need to hold my hand, it's not a big deal. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not a big deal to me. Also, like, yeah, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. It's but, gonna be fine. This is not. Yeah, this is totally cool. Also, I feel like God's calling us to be, be married. But like, I want you to just enjoy the movie." <laughs> Reckoning thrice. It's the best. Oh my goodness. This is my favorite thing ever. Um, <laughs> hey. I can hear I know. Chandler squirming in his seat. <laughs> I know. This this room, I'll give you, since I'm in the room, has gotten very uncomfortable. And I, I only wish it. this plutonic friend could join us in the room for that. Mm. Oh. If only that was possible. Well, I said to the platonic friend uh, prior to the show, hey, by the way, since you saw that movie, I may pull you in yeah. to tell us your <gasps> review of the movie. Yeah. Oh, can we? Bring- and, and, uh, and, and she goes, well, you know Chandler went with me, and I went, I did not know that until you just now informed me. Yep. So I guess we'll just ask Chandler. But his review is a little short. I'd love to get more information from her just about the nature of her evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if, let's say, let's say she's not like a cinemaphile, like she's yeah, not going to yeah. break down the plot. I just kind of want to know how the experience of the night was, yeah, the well, passion of the night, if she's, you will. She's, uh, uh, she's uh, on her way. Uh, we have beckoned hey. for the nice young lady who shall remain unnamed. Welcome yeah. to being the new guy, Channing. Sorry, let, buddy. Let me uh, engage that microphone. <laughs> let me marry that. I'm sorry. Let me uh, uh, pledge hey, my eternal love to I'm sorry. Let me engage hey. the microphone. This, I, this, I is, this is, this is better this than any t- guest host. Yeah, this is way better than a guest host. And if this gets you to Taken 3 or whatever it's called, <laughs> it's worth it. Okay? I am a licensed officiant. <laughs> he is. Yeah, I've, I've done, been to I've weddings. Done like fifty-two weddings. That's quite a quite a record. Okay, so, uh, join, so what, joining us now is the nice young lady who also can give us a review of the movie, The Conjuring Two. So, The Conjuring Two. I one, one thing I'm really curious about. I've heard a lot of things is, uh, uh, and I think a lot of people interested in seeing this movie. Was there a seat between you and Chandler yeah. when you yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, theater, yeah, yeah. or did you sit right next to Let's each other? Let's actually. Can we do this Terry Gross style? Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Was there an email exchanged or a text? 
How how did it happen that you two saw the film, The Conjuring? Hold on. Which, relevant, was it good? Relevant was given a pre-screening no, I, invite of two comp tickets to um, see yeah. the pre-screening. Understand. Yes, I stand so, by that. And then what happened? Uh, what should I call you? Um, Melissa. <laughs> Go for it. So <laughs> I've been doing my best to not out. No, no, no. You know, Melissa's, <laughs> Melissa's not even close to her actual name. So go ahead. Not at all. So you're wanting to know how this started. Yes, that's right. Yes. It was a very, very rainy summer day. Oh my gosh. We get an email and we've been in contact with these wonderful people to set up this lovely interview that mm. you guys just heard. Yeah, no, no, about we're to about to hear. Oh, you're about to hear Podcasting's it. pretty hard. It's okay. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's my first time. Give, <laughs> yeah. give me a... It's cool. You're doing great. Give me a hot second. <laughs> set up the interview. Yeah, so then they said, would you like to see the film? And mm-hmm. I said, sure, we would love two tickets for The Office. So yes, I yes. asked around, and there were, nobody was able to go. Now was, was it clear, <laughs> whoa, whoa, now, was it clear that so, you so were already... So are you saying that good. the very last resort you had was me. going to a, a no, very no, no. scary movie by yourself <laughs> was to invite Chandler? Yep. Like, it was either go and be terrified alone, or I guess bring Chandler. That's, guess. that's the picture you're you painting know, right now. I'm not going to go so far as to say no. But I'm not necessarily going to say yes to that question. All right. So was it clear that you were one of the two tickets? Well, she was the point of contact. That's what I'm saying. Was it clear you were going? Yeah, Yeah, I was the point of contact. So I guess the ball was in his court at that point. He just guessed when I asked everybody. Yeah. If um, when I asked everybody. Oh, so he replied to the 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 mass uh, staff email. Does anybody want to go? Last person to be asked. That's fine. Yeah, I actually just like left a post-it note after all the emails and just. So it there was wasn't an all-staff email, which uh, immediately got a response from Chandler. Uh, no one's claimed that other ticket yet, have they? Like two seconds so after wait, you wait, You here. said something about a post-it note. So you emailed the staff, <laughs> nobody replied, and you went and put a post-it note on Chandler's desk. Here's oh. the thing. Oh, that is oh. terrible. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, Melissa. <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. We're, the, we're listening. Because you didn't put 20 post-it notes on 20 desks. Oh. I don't have time for that. I'm a very busy woman here at Relevant you are. Media uh-huh. Group. No, you have a very important job. Yes. That is true. Yep. Busy being charming and important. I don't right. have time right. for that. So at least like four post-it notes, and they'll go unnamed who they went to. Like, And okay. they were they were placed in order of who I would prefer to go to most. And the last one was like a little crinkled, and that was the one on Chandler's desk. So yeah. okay. that was like, in my pocket for but a little still. bit, you know? Uh, you got the but note. Still, you're, in the inner circle, you know? you're in yeah. the inner circle. Yeah. yeah, yeah I so, say. so, any, so fast forward to the screening itself. How, do how you was eat the movie? There? How was the movie? Do, yeah, did you eat there? I did not. No, I came straight from work. What yeah. did he eat? Did he did eat, eat? He was off that day. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He doesn't eat ever. Okay. No. Just cheese it. How do the, you know that? Well, see. Oh, you burned. <laughs> <laughs> I've been observing him very, very closely. <laughs> no, it, so here at Relevant, we have this snack bar that is well stocked with many lovable treasures. Free snacks. And also yes. Fritos, which are not yeah. a lovable treasure. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we stock this snack bar, by the way. No, you know, we provide, we provide... Ten, 10 items of delect, delectable treats no, for it's everybody. Wonderful. No, I and, have a and nobody treat. ever eats the Fritos. Who chooses Fritos? Because we the have to, chooses Chandler to, get, to, go to, a movie. to get the Cheetos, to get the Doritos, to get the whatever. We get the variety right. pack. Right. And yeah. and we are stuck with so many Fritos. Without the variety pack, Fritos would have been put out of business years years ago. Excellent. Point. The analogy yeah. you're drawing is that the the cam the the Fritos are the weird green melon in that fruit salad bowl that you buy. <laughs> honey and let's let's just they, honey put, they put like four strawberries sliced in half on top. Right. Right. You get a couple pieces of cantaloupe. Oh yeah. Like three grapes, and then you, you after 
underneath the others, you're like, this whole thing is weird green melon. They no fill it with honeydew. Jesse, let's yeah. say this about Fritos. At least they get a post-it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. it's a crinkly post, and it's the yeah. fourth hey, it's one. Better than nothing. Yeah. But they, yeah, but 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 but, but Fritos the, are 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 the black jelly bean of yes. the. No, that's the, right. You know, <laughs> jelly belly <laughs> variety Fritos, bag. Yeah, <laughs> all that's all that's left at uh, the end. So, but I want to. Okay, let's 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 fast forward. No, 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 no. We're at the snack bar because she's saying yeah, something the, about Chandler. Yeah, about the snack bar. I eat too many snacks. Mostly Cheez-Its, and it's not that I was necessarily observing. It's that Cheez-Its are my favorite, and I have a righteous oh indignation wow. when oh. I get to that snack bar, and there are no Cheez-Its left yeah, for me. Oh. You know, you know, what, so some people, you know what some people yeah. call two people who like uh, Cheez-Its? What? That's called chemistry. Some yeah. people. <laughs> Mingo. Do you have a favorite Cheez-It, or is it like a point of connection? Cheddar. White cheddar cheese. White, white cheddar was the right answer. I'm just gonna throw that out there and see if anybody remembers. Nobody in particular. No, they're so unbelievable. So would you say? So based on this information, okay. you would say that you and Chandler are compatible. At least when it comes <laughs> to at least, on at least when it comes to snacking, just snack at least compatible. When it comes to, like like. In a hypothetical scenario, the two of you together would save a lot of money on snacks because you wouldn't be buying variety packs where right. things are just thrown it's away. A, yeah. It's a very, very fine-tuned algorithm. Yeah. I will yeah. say that much. Okay. So, okay. Like a, like a Match.com thing. Yeah. Fine <laughs> algorithm. Yeah. So you're watching the movie with Channing. Now, is there a point post-movie, what's it like at the walk out of the movie? Is it just clear that we're going to go back to our own cars, or is there like, hey, you want to go get a, you know, a taco or something, or whatever to do? Or a Frito go, pie. Frito <laughs> pie. <laughs> you want to go roller skating, or is it just a, just we're going to go home? Well, it was well, very late on a Monday night, and I have a very strict 10 p.m. bedtime. I have a lot of things to do. I'm an early riser. I told, we already established that I am a very well-put-together woman. <laughs> well, you established that. We just keep hearing you say that. <laughs> what time do you wake up in the morning? So, 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 so all that to say is, what, so what happened after the film? Hello. He walked me back to my car because I parked very far away. Stop. Now and it was a scary movie. Yeah, you don't know if one of these, you know, demon ghosts. And it's are a winter park, Florida. I mean, clearly oh, just it, the ghetto. It is of really, all really, ghettos. really scary here. Mm-hmm. Walk yeah. back to the car. Winter Park Village. Did you open the door? I did not. No, it's fine. It's first, first. Uh, I mean, first screening. So you know, you don't want to. Was there fast. a handshake involved? Was there any sort of? Was there a fist bump? What happened? There was actually a high five. Oh, okay. I will. I will say this. I I know Melissa fairly well, (laughs) and I know uh, of the various gentlemen suitors who have tried to pursue me, pursue her attention and time over the last few months. And uh, for some reason, most of her time with the gentlemen end with high fives. I don't understand this. (laughs) Well, but I mean that's. But I mean, as I think about my daughters, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and, good. End it with a high five. That's a Prover- Proverbs 11 woman right there. <laughs> so you end it with a high five. She is clothed in strength and dignity and, and high countless fives. high fives. Yeah, yeah uh, countless high fives. Countless high fives. Well, well, well I, th- this, is, this is a question that I want to hear from everyone in the room. When you go to the movie with somebody yeah. that, 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 that you're not in, in, involved with in a, in a romantic capacity, do you leave a seat next to you? Is it just because I'm a little bit tall that I feel more comfortable with a seat next to me? Like, if you were to go to a movie with just a buddy, yeah, and it's not a crowded theater, it's not like opening night, are you sitting directly Jesse, next to me? Jesse, I'm yes. sidling up. I'm sitting right next to you. No, no, no. I gotta, we got a seat between us because i got a backpack full of things that I sneak in right in between us. You oh, know. I like that. That's a good strategy. We got a backpack well, between us. When we saw like Left little... Behind, you, me, and Chad, I, I was sitting next to Chad, and then you sat a seat down. 
You left the seat, but he and I were sitting next gotta, to each other. You gotta spread out a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I gotta. Because that I, just makes it weird for Cameron and Chad. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're, they're together, and I'm third wheel on whatever's happening in their world. <laughs> hey, I will say at the end of the night, we high fived. So. Yeah, and I will. It was a good a, night. It was a nice high five. Um, Very proper. It was a Proverbs 11 high five. Yeah. Can we uh, commit to uh, every screening <laughs> you guys going together? Well, and we so, haven't heard about the movie. So, what'd you think about the movie? Cinematically, it was incredible. I think they did a really good job of balancing the faith with the scary movie aspect. Um, it wasn't cheesy, which is saying something for a faith-based movie. I don't know if I'm allowed to no, say that. No, this or not. I would not say The Conjuring Two is a faith-based movie. No, in any it's, way, it's, shape, no. Or form. I mean, it's it's centered around demon possession. They cast yeah. the demons. Yeah, out but of they're the not end. doing like Bible studies. But no need to defend Melissa. Not, it's Channing. not exactly an orthodox <laughs> right. uh, movie. No, yeah. you're right. You're right. But yeah. they. I mean, it's definitely a part of it. The super yeah. Thank you for standing up for me. Yeah. That's very kind wow. of you. I appreciate so, it. So, so on a, on a scale right. of one to ten, or five, one to five stars. How many? How many stars? Or let's say this: not one to five stars. Let's say one to five hearts. One to five <laughs> high fives. <laughs> one to five cheeses. Oh, that's a scale. I can but, get on five cheeses is like you. You love the movie. You know, love, what I'm love. Like, uh, one cheese. I can marry the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two two cheeses <laughs> is a high five of the movie makers. One, you're well, just one like... One cheese it is a balled-up post-it note left on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you understand Yeah, so one scale. to five what, what, what When we say one to five cheeses for the movie, we're talking about Chandler. Let's be very clear here. <laughs> <laughs> In case the metaphor isn't super clear, this is about Chandler. I'm just going to try to not make how eye many, contact right now. Yeah. How many cheese its would you have given the movie? Would you give the movie? And then Chandler, you give your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, though, no. that's, that's my question. He's, he's going to give five cheeses, believe me. So, what, it, how many cheeses? Why don't you both write down your answer? Oh, yeah. Slide the camera. He will answer that. I have, I have post its right here. Yeah, both write down how many cheeses yeah. and then slide it to me, and I will tell you if no, you're, I think it's really happening. Come on, right, hey, oh, right there. All right, so just to give you a little theater of the mind, Melissa is closing her eyes right now as Channing writes down the number of cheeses that he. This felt is ridiculous. That it is ridiculous, Channing, but you're in it. Uh, Just now, this is rating the movie. Well, um, this, no, is rating, well rating, this is rating it's, the it's, experience. It's rating the your experience. This potential is, relationship with Melissa. We're really uh, g- grasping for content this week with Adam being. No, gone. we're not. No, we're not. We got no, some great this is, We got a packed show. I actually, actually would have this, rather yeah. not had Adam on. <laughs> yeah. If Adam Guys, and Joy and Sean okay. cancel Dustin Kentrew because this is too good. I yeah. have, okay. I have, I have the numbers in front of me. All right, German. I, I I will tell you this. Okay, they do not match. <gasps> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I, do I reveal the numbers or do we yeah. just leave it at no, that? Yeah, I'm I dying. Think, I, I well, know. Uh, this is this is tension right okay. here. Okay, this is like this the bad Channing Channing's number. His ex- wait, wait, what, the, this the, is the number that Channing wrote. First? This is the the number that Channing no, wrote no. of rating on a scale of one to five cheeses, the experience of seeing the movie. With mm-hmm. Melissa, mm-hmm. yeah, and how he feels about her. <laughs> I'm not adding that. <laughs> and their <laughs> probability of ending up together. Let's the hear experience the of right. seeing the movie. The number is okay. A solid three. Wow. Okay. okay. Keep okay. it one more. I understand. Okay. The other hard to get. Can I round up at all? Good the, cinematography. The other the other number I received. All right. All right. Of uh, Melissa's experience of seeing the movie. They're literally never going to guess who you are. I've got to say <laughs> is, that is no. is is a 
didn't realize that we could do uh, decimal, Holy smokes. decimal points. Wow. So yeah. you can eat point yeah. nine yeah. cheese. That's <laughs> wow. Well, well, I think it's safe to say. Safe uh, to say there will be a follow up to this segment. Uh, <laughs> oh my I mean, gosh. the numbers tell That's, us. <laughs> Melissa, would you be okay if there was a follow up to this segment? It depends on how good Chandler's jingle is. Oh, that's the thing. And can oh, I read the jingle? That's the thing. Yeah. Let's Are just you gonna do like like runs and if stuff? If Melissa <laughs> and Channing, me since when am I on the jingle? Well, oh, okay. you're a really good singer. You have in ears on right now. So yeah. okay. Melissa writes and sings music. Yeah, Chandler uh, performs and produces. What on music. earth? Yeah, it's a match made in heaven, right there. You know. Oh, oh snap! God, this is the best three, podcast. Three point nine. <laughs> My goodness. Well, thanks. Nine. Thank you for your movie review and joining us, quote unquote, Melissa. Melissa, anything you want to say to Chandler before you leave? We look forward to your uh, next movie review. Uh, pre-screening a film. Oh yeah, I mean you're both going to the next screening tickets that yeah, we get. Yeah, it's definitely no matter happening. what it is. Yeah. Like that I'm is. Gonna, a- I'm going to get on the horn literally after this podcast <laughs> and line up a screening to anything. You will literally go to like local art school screenings. We'll do. Okay, go. Just All right. go. All right. Bye. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Yeah. Thank you very uh, much. Oh my goodness, that was my favorite thing that's ever happened. Yeah, um, that was. I mean, I thought Kevin Max was going to be the highlight for me. <laughs> <laughs> that just got obliterated <laughs> by just deep humiliation of two really kind uh, people who didn't know how to handle it. Yeah, oh, it was great. <sighs> well, okay, okay. Before we move on and get to in case you missed it, we actually have some huge news. Huge news. Channing. Um. <laughs> There's been some developments in the On, last minute. If, if you notice, we are getting in the very high 400s of the number of episodes that we've uh, had here on the podcast. It got us looking at the calendar to say, when is episode 500 going to air? And that day is July 8th, only in a few weeks. That'll yeah. be our 500th episode. It's big. Now, you know, last year we had our 10-year anniversary. Uh, if you do the math, we do 51 shows a year. So yeah. how come we didn't cross it last year? Um, uh, we took a little bit of a break after Jesse abandoned us a, a long time ago and moved yeah. to Virginia Beach. And, yeah. um, and we, we just didn't have it in us to do it for really about three months. Yeah. Um, but that, that put the count off. Yeah, well, I mean, 500 was ha- is happening exactly when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. There During the middle of the golden years of the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just not quite at the peak somewhere. <laughs> yeah. 500. So, so uh, 500, our 500th episode is coming up July 8th. And, and we've been thinking, like, what should we do? Last year, we did a big live event. Six, seven hundred people came from all over. I mean, from Brussels, from London, from Canada, yeah. from uh, all over the U.S. People traveled in for this show, and uh, we had a great time with everybody. But we just don't have it in us mm-hmm. to do something like that again. Um, but we do want to do something oh, that would, you know, be appropriate uh, for the occasion. So. We are going to do a couple of things, and you guys can be a part of it. I need you to just tell me when I can interrupt and go back to this Channing Melissa thing. So you do your thing, and then just maybe give me some sort of high five, and I'll know it's time for, for me to come back to this. Hey, that's real. That every, every date she's been on that I'm aware of oh, yeah. has ended with a high five. Okay, but here's okay. I'm going to just do it now. All right, Channing, mm-hmm. here's what you need to do. Right, mm-hmm. you need to go and buy a box of white cheddar Cheez-Its, mm-hmm. and then write a little note that just says on like, a post-it. On yeah, a, yeah. On a post- oh my gosh, because that's on, their thing now. Write a yeah. crumpled post-it and just be like, "Hey, sorry, those doofuses like embarrassed you, <laughs> whatever." <laughs> I should have defended your honor. No, no. <laughs> anyhow, but no, but but for real, be like, but anyhow, I had a good, I had a good time at the screening. High five, Channing. Yeah. I'm telling you, you, yeah. get, you got a, little, a running joke. A I mean, that's thing. that's the basis of any good relationship. Yeah, a little inside joke. All right, keep going. Okay. So 500. Hey, thanks for the the advice. I appreciate that's that. That's good advice, though. 
I mean, I'm, it's if I ever meet a, 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 a nice lady to take to screenings, I'll, I'll ask you for advice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm great at this, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I successfully dated one person in my life. Um, okay, so July 8th, uh, 500th episode. We wanted to do something that some of you could come if you wanted to and join us, but we're not going to do a big elaborate thing. So here's the plan. Friday, July 8th, we are going to do a live show, literally live. We're going to stream it live. We're going to record it live. It's going to be a live broadcast. How? We're not sure yet, but we will. We <laughs> will that. figure that out. <laughs> Announce and then figure out. I yeah, love that. That's how we roll. <laughs> uh, Make so, a deadline. So we are, you know, it'll be unedited. Everybody's saying we want an unedited show. We will do an, a totally unedited show. It'll be, you could stream it live. It'll happen at 2 o'clock Eastern on July 8th. Uh, if you want to join us for that... You can. There's more, though. It'll go from about 2 to 4 o'clock on July 8th. After 4 o'clock, we were thinking we need to do another... Jesse needs to do another endurance challenge, psychological endurance challenge, similar to his Nickelback challenge. Yeah, well, because I feel like, you know, we haven't done anything since then in that regard because, I mean, how do we top it? You know, like, that raised... Thanks to the generosity of our listeners... And the the universal uh, curiosity that involves, you know, the human limitations of listening to Nickelback, a lot of money was raised to build wells through charity water. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we want to do that again. We want to we want Jesse to have to endure a psychological challenge and use that thing to raise money for charity water. So we came up with an idea. What Jesse's going to do is watch. 24 straight hours of Nicolas Cage movies, and we Sweet and you Carey. can come join him for it, and we are calling it Trapped in the Cage. Perfect. Oh, Jesse is going to be trapped in the cage <laughs> from your monster truck days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well done for 24 hours watching Nicolas Cage movies. Now, how can you participate? There's so many ways. Number one. Is there an amount of money they can give to have him not have to do this? We are, we've are. we set up a website, trappedinthecage.com, where you can go <laughs> and uh, see all of the things that you can do to participate in this and help us raise money for Charity Water. Number one, you can actually come and join us. We, we're yeah. going to rent a venue where uh, you can uh, you know sit in, the, sit in the seats with us and, and watch a Nicolas Cage movie. We will post a schedule of the movies so you can like pick a time slot to come and, and join us. Let me just say this. I need a buffer seat on either side. That's just a rule. <laughs> uh, I just got to actually, I just got a text. Can people bring, is it a plus one? Yes. Somebody wants to know. Oh, oh snap. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. No, right, this me. could be the next screening. Oh, uh, number two. Number two, uh, you, we will live Periscope or live stream Jesse. Remember the Shia LaBeouf stunt from where he watched all the Shia LaBeouf movies in New York? Yeah. When you just watched Shia LaBeouf? We're going to be broadcasting that on all the live streaming services. Jesse's face watching a Nicolas Cage thing. Sweet guy. Also, there will be an auction where you can bid on things for Jesse to have to wear, say, do while watching these movies. And then you can see your thing, you know, happen. Like you want him to wear a hat that says something. Well, then you guys could like bid against each other again to raise money for charity water. Yeah. And, uh, and then Jesse will have a, a menu of things that he's willing to do during the 24 hours. When, uh, so when does the 24 hours start? At 4 p.m. Eastern time on July 8th, and it'll the run until... Will be locked. <laughs> it'll run until <laughs> 4 p.m. Uh, July 9th uh, uh, Eastern time. 
Yeah, because because here here's the thing. Like we already know the psychological limit. I Nickelback almost broke me, but they didn't. I survived it, you know. <laughs> but I mean, and that was a week straight of Nickelback. But at least I had my other senses. Yeah, like they were they were in my ears and in my head. Right. But I was still walking through life. You know what I mean? I was having something to keep me grounded in reality and sanity. This is being locked in a cage. Like literally, I'm sitting there and I am watching Nicolas Cage movies for 24 straight hours. And I don't know the technical limitations. I think things will develop uh, in the coming weeks. But we want to have one idea we talked about. You know, Nicolas Cage has a huge catalog that I think if you were to watch all of them consecutively uh, would be weeks. Yeah. Uh, But we want people to vote. Yeah. On it's going to be eleven or twelve movies. Oh, it could be more than twelve. I mean, because there's probably some hour and a half movies in there too. You could yeah. be up to fifteen, maybe twelve to fifteen movies. Yeah. One of the things too, we want we're going to have his entire catalog at trappedinthecage.com. Yeah. And you will be able to vote to you know in the top eleven, top twelve, top fifteen, whatever twenty four <laughs> hours uh, will be the 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 order. And so, obviously, Left Behind's going to make it, I'm sure. Cross <laughs> fingers sure. for Firebirds. No um, one's seen that. Yeah. So we Firebirds will, would be great. Yeah. So we're going to... Some of these movies are going to be hard to actually acquire for us, but... You I was going to say, they, there's gonna, you know, we haven't thought through all... You know, the, 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 the very deep cuts is going to be tough, but, you know... Whatever. Well, basically, the, the voting will only be of films that we have vetted that we actually can access yeah. them. <laughs> or I'm gonna be not pretty, just wildly Can I be honest with you? I'm going to be disappointed if, like... Uh, his work that's universally regarded as good is going to be on there. Like I want, I want the Wicker Man quality stuff. Yeah. So can know? people show up and watch with Jesse? Yes, donate to Charity Water to get a ticket mm-hmm. to join Jesse for a time slot. So we'll you'll, we'll have once voting is completed, we'll have all twelve movies up there and the timestamps of when Jesse will be watching them. So you can look and go, oh, I'm going to come at uh, seven a.m. to watch whatever movie with him. You know, like you can actually find a movie you want to watch with Jesse, and you can come uh, for a donation oh, look, to Ghost Charity Rider Water. Two is on at four thirty a.m. I'm going to see. <laughs> yeah, that. I'm going to. I'm oh, going to sweeten Bangkok the pot a bit Dangerous next week. at at uh, five twenty five. I'm in. So yeah. you're saying next week you're gonna sweeten the pot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I got a little something right out there. I'm uh, I'm gonna be for moral support. I'm gonna be with Jesse the entire time. I'm you gonna be there. Should not do a lot. that. Why? You'll you'll hate it. This is gonna suck. <laughs> Just let Jesse do it. <laughs> no, no way. No way. I'm not gonna leave him there. No, because he saw how psychologically fragile I became yeah. halfway. through. I'm gonna give him like shoulder massages because I can walk around. Eddie, I don't have to Eddie, keep my eyes on the screen the whole time. Eddie. I don't know what the Nicolas Cage is going to do to me. So I think it's good that I'm going to have... Yeah, I can step out and get some fresh air, whatever. Yeah. I can you know, run around the block a little bit. I, I'll come back. I'll give him shoulder rubs. Yeah. I'll keep. I'll, somebody's got to keep their eye on him, and I'll do it. Yeah, that's really kind of you. Yeah. I'm going to show up for one movie. I think we know what the movie's going to be. Which one? What? Left Behind? Yeah, it's the, my, it's the most Christian movie you could ever watch. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll come for like the chaplain service. Right, I'll come for, for the like chapel. the 2 o'clock showing of Left Behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah the 2 p.m. on Saturday. Say, and I'll yeah. lead us in, we'll do like a, you know, we'll do like communion and stuff. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Left Behind is the one that I'm dreading the most because I've only seen it once and it felt like 24 hours. <laughs> it, because like if, if, if for some reason, like I don't think they will, but like let's say The Rock or Con Air make it on there. I wouldn't be stoked because those movies are still sweet yeah you know but it, it's the left behind is the is is like the first album in the nickelback catalog that is so bad and the production value is so low that it really makes you question why you're doing this and, and, and there's I, gonna be some strategy to this yeah too. and i'm gonna say too like the films that we select
like aren't going to be where he just has a bit role for like one scene and he's gone. No. And it's a, no, it's going to be where he's in a primary Nick role. Nick Cage in. Yeah. yeah. Right. right. Yeah. He's, he's in the marquee of the, of the poster, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So, so that, that is, that stunt is what we're calling. Trapped in the cage. And, uh, that afternoon, the live Subtle. show, the 500th episode, <laughs> will be Subtle. the two hours leading up to, leading Trapped up to this courage. starting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it'll be a lot of the, the prep, the preparation. Uh, we're going to try and get Scott Harrison on the show. Uh, Great. You know, just like really, you know, get, get Jesse ready for this. This is like when David Blaine got in the cube of ice in Times Square. You know, like the the world is watching is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like people are going to want to know if I'm going to step out of that cage at the end of the 24 hours or if like David Blaine, they have to send the paramedics in and rehydrate me and I fly off in a helicopter in suspense. You know, a lot of people don't know if I'm going to live or be the same man after. There's a lot that can go wrong. A lot. Uh, Trappedinthecage.com. Uh, we'll post, you know, the location and, and how to uh, donate to Cherry Water to get tickets. Yeah. All that stuff. Your auction will be there. Uh, all the films, the voting, all that'll be there mm-hmm. at trappedinthecage.biz. Uh, we got a few weeks. If you want to come down, come down. Uh, you Like I said, uh, the live show, it will not be a live show like last year. It'll just be kind of like us around a table doing doing a podcast. Uh, but that'll be there at the venue. The smell of popcorn will be wafting in the air. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we're done recording, Jesse will walk over and we hit play. <sighs> Sweet so, guy. Wow. There you go. I can't wait. All right. Well, moving the show along, it's time for our weekly look back at what happened in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. In case you missed it, uh, this week, John Oliver, man. Oh, I loved it. Can you believe this? It was the best. John Oliver forgave nearly $15 million of real debt on TV. Um, So he did this long investigative segment on his show uh, last week tonight on HBO about America's controversial debt collection industry. To demonstrate how unregulated the industry was, he set up a debt collection business and then purchased $15 million of medical debt. Wow. Uh, uh, but he purchased it for $60,000. Here, here's a clip of, of what he did. Look, it is pretty clear by now, debt buying is a grimy business and badly needs more oversight. Because as it stands, any idiot can get into it. And I can prove that to you because I'm an idiot and we started a debt buying company. <laughs> and it was disturbingly easy. Let me explain. Back in April, we spent $50 to incorporate a debt acquisition company online in Mississippi. And incidentally, over the internet is the best way to experience Mississippi. (laughs) We called it... We called it Central Asset Recovery Professionals, or CARP, after the bottom-feeding fish. (laughs) I became chairman of the board, and CARP set up this very bland website and dipped our toes into the debt market. And with little more to go on than that website, we were soon offered a portfolio of nearly $15 million of out-of-statute medical debt from Texas at a cost of less than half a cent on the dollar, which is less than 60 grand. For that amount, CARP would be sent the personal information, including names, current addresses, and social security numbers of nearly 9,000 people. So, we bought it. Which is absolutely terrifying, because it means if I wanted to, 
I could legally have Carp take possession of that list and have employees start calling people, turning their lives upside down over medical debt they no longer had to pay. There would be absolutely nothing wrong with that, except for the fact that absolutely everything is wrong with that. At the end of the, the clip, he, he goes, uh, at the end of the segment, he formally forgave all $15 million wow. of debt. It was the biggest money giveaway in TV history. Yeah. If you remember, Oprah gave away yeah. everyone a car. Uh, it was $8 million uh, yeah. back in 2004. The, the crazy thing is, it's not the first time he's set up a fake organization on the show. Last year, he established Our Lady of Perpetual Exemption yeah. to demonstrate how easy it is for TV <laughs> ministries to use tax loopholes to avoid paying taxes on donations and revenue. Crazy. So yeah. I, I love what he's doing. Yeah, I do yeah. too. Seriously. He definitely picked up where Colbert lo- left off. I yeah. feel yeah. like he's just really, really smartly engaging these kinds of stories. But, but he doesn't have to use a persona to do it like Colbert no. did. Yeah. The tone is different. It's like we have someone on the inside that we're laughing at the absurdity with instead of someone doing like an ironic caricature. Yeah. You know, it, it's, a, it's a smart approach to exposing these types of things. And he's also choosing to expose things that a lot of people just aren't knowledgeable about. He's just not uh, up there making fun of Donald Trump every week or anything. You guys, I'm a little nervous for Colbert. I've read two things this week. One that like his longtime executive producer uh, from Colbert got fired. Not not like another one. So he's lost another key staffer. Oh no! And like James Corden has put out statements recently saying, "No, no, no! I have no desire to take over Stephen Colbert's slot. We're happy where Stephen Colbert is, but it's like, oh no! Oh, that wow. happened this week. Yeah, both of those things In happened. Case ah. you it. <laughs> that was a news <laughs> news tip. A can, can I be can I be honest? And I. Look, I'm a Colbert fan. I have for a long time. Yeah, but I would probably watch James Gordon, uh, I, James Corden over I, Stephen he Colbert. He is so good. I yeah. would too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is like he, James Corden going head to head with Fallon. That is a late night rivalry. Right. Yeah. That it really is. That that, that's back to Letterman Leno. Yeah. It totally is. Yeah. I, something I don't know what it is with Colbert, but it just has not crossed over. He's well, so I sweet. Think that, I think a, they did it for the older people because you got to think late night, all yeah. the old people are still up. I mean, that's. I mean, for some reason, <laughs> my grandmother would go to bed at like two in the morning, yeah. you know? Uh, and and, and think about the retirement villages. You know, what are they watching? They're not watching, you know, uh, Fallon. Yeah. They're not watching Kimmel. So they needed somebody for, for the upper demographic. In case you missed it, this week Fox <laughs> apologized for promoting X Men Apocalypse yeah. with, uh, the way they have been for the last four months. They've been running this billboard campaign and print campaign all over the country that shows Oscar Isaac's character Apocalypse choking Jennifer Lawrence's character Mystique. Yeah, and it's uh, it caused an uproar. Actress Rose McGowan actually helped draw attention to this campaign in recent weeks. Uh, she told the Hollywood Reporter th- this. Uh, there's a major problem when the men and women of 20th Century Fox think casual violence against women is the way to market a film. There's no context in the ad, just a woman getting strangled. She said that her attention got pulled to it because she received an unsettling text from a friend whose young daughter had just seen the ads on the street. Here's the text. My daughter and I were just having a deep discussion on the brutality of that hideous X-Men poster yesterday. Her words, Dad, why is that monster man committing violence against a woman? This is from a nine-year-old. If she can see it, why can't Fox? So Rose and and others then started causing an uproar, rightfully so. Fox, after four months of this campaign being out there, finally... Uh, spoke up about it, and in a statement they said, on our enthusiasm to show the villainy of the character Apocalypse, we didn't immediately recognize the upsetting connotation of this image in print form once we realized how insensitive it was, meaning 
now that everybody's mad at us. Yeah. Uh, we quickly took steps to remove those materials. We apologize for our actions and would never condone violence against women. When we posted this, uh, something about this on our site and shared it to Facebook, they, like there were so many people that were like, oh, well, it's part of the movie and, you know, we're defending Fox for this. And to me, it's like, it's one thing if you're, consenting to seeing a film right. that you know is violent and right. you know that the storyline may involve a bad guy inflicting violence on a female character. It's another thing for it to be on billboards yeah. For yeah. out yeah. in the street. Yeah, like, that's it's not, not okay. Yeah. I mean, that would be like saying, you know, there's an ex- a sexually explicit scene in a movie. You know that going in, but they chose to market it by showing that scene, to, you know, to everybody. Yeah. Right. You know, that'd be insane. Yeah. yeah. But, but violence isn't the same as sex for some reason. Yeah. You yeah know. It is crazy. Yeah. Right. And, and the fact that it took Fox, it's like the movie's already, it already debuted. It's already out of the run. It's no longer number one at the box office. You know, it's got knocked off last week by, you know, whatever the new big movie is. So it's like now that they, it doesn't matter, their promotional campaign does no longer matter. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. We'll take that down. It's oh. like it's coming down anyway. The movie's been out for months, you know? Oh, that's true. I, I just don't believe that when they saw that, they didn't immediately react and know that feedback was coming like it's when you see it right away and you're like oh that is super messed up like there's a i know they're like both aliens or something i don't i've never seen the movie but like it's still (laughs) clearly a male mutants hey chandler have have you been to the movies lately uh not that one Maybe you should look, go and let us know. Yeah. Maybe come back with a review next week. Also, there is a new little tapas place around the corner that maybe you could oh. review as well. Oh, yeah. you know what? Maybe we should do a weekly movie review <gasps> segment. Movie and and you each review. have to, and, and, and we'll judge the, the quality of the movie going experience on a, one, a scale of one to five every single week. Yeah. <laughs> of different snack foods or always yeah. cheeses? Always so, white cheddar cheeses. Always, you, yeah. You and Melissa. Again, remember. Small box of the thing, right. the crumpled up post-it note. note. Totally throw us under the bus. Say those guys are being jerks. It doesn't matter. We will. <laughs> hey, you want to go see X <laughs> If we learned anything from Top Gun, it's that everybody needs a wingman. In case you missed it, Banksy <laughs> covertly painted a mural at a school campus uh, this week. Yeah, uh, the the school was in Bristol's Bridge Farm School in the UK. Uh, they had allowed the students to vote to name one of the buildings on campus after anybody, and uh, he won. So they named the building after him. Right. And uh, while the school was on a break, an extended break, he snuck in and uh, painted a mural on it. It shows a young child pushing a flaming tire with a stick. Yeah. Uh, then he wrote a note to the students, um, along with thanking them uh, for naming the building after him. He wrote, if you don't like the mural, feel free to add stuff. I'm sure the teachers won't mind. Remember, it's always easier to get forgiveness than permission. I love J- that. J- just what you want someone to tell kids at a boarding school <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. In case you missed it, new family-oriented Steph Curry emojis are outselling Kim Kardashian's <laughs> on the App Store. Uh, the NBA superstar, you know, the finals are going on right now. Dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So far. And then MasterChef. Love it. <laughs> uh, he released a new emoji app that quickly became the most popular one available in the iTunes store. Um, and so instead of just portraying images of Steph on the court, many of the Steph emojis depict the Curry family mm-hmm. with several de- uh, dedicated to his wife, Aisha, and the couple's young children. Several Aisha. of the Steph emojis also reference his faith, including uh, Steph pointing to the sky and one where um, Steph is a saint. Um, so that, <laughs> oh, that's. Hey, I, as, I, I actually personally. 
purchase the Steph Mochi pack because it's it's very cool. In case you missed it, uh, this week, Kristen Bell spoke out about depression and anxiety in a powerful letter that she penned uh, for time, explaining that she didn't, quote, believe anything should be taboo, adding that sadly there's still, quote, an extreme stigma about mental health issues. She said that, quote, 20% of American adults face some form of mental illness in their lifetime and that she struggled with depression since childhood and wanted more people to be open about their own struggles with mental health. Here's part of the letter. She wrote, When you try to keep things hidden, they fester and ultimately end up revealing themselves in a far more destructive way than if you approach them with honesty. I didn't speak publicly about my struggles with mental health for the first 15 years of my career. It's debilitation and was all-consuming, and it shut down my mental circuit board. I felt worthless, like I had nothing to offer, like I was a failure. Now, after seeking help, I can see that those thoughts, of course, couldn't have been more wrong. It's important for me to be candid about this so people in a similar situation can realize that they're not worthless and that they have something to offer. We all do. I, I think it's so powerful that she wrote this because right. I feel like her persona and a lot of the characters she portrays are so bubbly and so happy in the way that she um, you know, uh, depicts herself in public life, you know, whether it's in ad campaigns or when you see it at her award shows or whatever, she's just carries herself like a very happy person. Yeah. And the fact that she's willing to admit that, look, this a part of the letter at some point said depression is different than sadness, you mm. know, like just because you carry yourself in a di- certain way doesn't mean you can't still struggle with these things. I thought that was, you know, a really courageous thing she did, but also one that I feel like could really help people. I mean, you know, she's the voice in Frozen. She's a bubbly person. And for her to make this admission, I think is really cool. The uh, This is a big week for mental illness because uh, I'm not saying that lightly. Uh, last night, I, I actually was binge watching the new Netflix series, Lady Dynamite, which is uh, starring uh, Maria Bamford, the comedian. And, and she uh, very famously, I mean, oh, her yeah. whole act is about like mental disorder oh, and yeah. struggles she's had. She's bipolar too. Uh, bipolar type two mm-hmm. and uh, she had a mental breakdown left the industry for a long time and that's what the show's about it's like this autobiographical bizarro surreal comedy dark comedy series loosely based on her making a show about her life it's it's so yeah weird and it's alt comedy to the nth degree i'm not necessarily right. saying go watch it it's got some rough edges but the fact that the whole thing is really really dealing with mm-hmm. mental illness and friendship and people walking away from your life and like mm-hmm. kind of kind of trying to put your life back together and then Kristen's talking about the same thing i mean yeah. this is just it's it's so good for america that this is like kind of getting on the surface again or and you know, finally. I, I think that's what's so compelling about what like Mark Maron has been doing for a while, even on his show, which is the same thing. You don't necessarily want to condone everything on it, but you know, some of his stuff and his podcasts or in his books or, or, you know, he, his struggles are with addiction, but it's digging into the roots of why people struggle with things and making it okay for people to talk about weaknesses that they have, you know, it, whether it's something like a, a you know a mental illness or a, a, a real issue with addiction, yeah. that these people a lot of times they are comedians or funny, happy you know seeming people that are willing to be transparent, and it's an interesting kind of trend in entertainment 
that, you know, we're not just watching it for the entertainment value. We're watching it because it can actually help us, help challenge us to be better people and tackle issues we're dealing with. Yeah, it's called normalizing. I mean, what Kristen Bell did, she didn't actually give advice that was particularly like, if you're struggling with depression, do this. It's just saying, I struggle with depression. Yeah, and it, that's like so much a, the ball game. It's just realizing, oh, I'm not alone. And then, because I think everybody that has depression or anxiety or any number of real diagnosable physical ailments thinks that they're the only person dealing with that because it's yeah. so stigmatized. And then you just learn, oh, no, everybody, like everybody's got a thing, right? And then yeah. it just, the world opens up and you start to feel like, oh, okay, well, I can put one foot in front of the other because we're all figuring out how to do this somehow. I was, yeah, I thought that was really great of her to do that. And and of Mark Maron, I agree. He like has done a great job just talking candidly about addiction. I feel like people learn language from him of how to just be honest about yeah their, the things they're wrestling with. And like like Cameron was saying, it's okay. Like yeah. it, this doesn't make you any less of a person. It doesn't make you a weak person. It doesn't make no. you you know a damaged person. It makes you a normal, honest person that is has the capacity to seek help to try to better yourself and be an example to others who want to do the same. Well, I think we're finally on the cusp of getting rid of the, you know, just just white knuckle, just be happier, just quit doing this. Like it doesn't yeah. work that way. It, you cannot white knuckle your way into wellness if you have depression and, and, or addiction maria's show uh she dealt with like because she does like present day she does flashbacks yeah. to pre-middle she does three different flashbacks yeah. and it's really kind of fun uh these parallel things and in the middle where she's kind of like bottomed out she moved back home to duluth yeah anyway a lot of her old friends were kind of like i'll just be happier yeah, you're why, why you got the blues yeah. you know that yeah. kind of thing and it's just like you see you've journeyed with her and like you see just how asinine mm -hmm. that approach was from her well-meaning friends yeah. who then when she didn't perk up after their little quick fix ideas for her, right. kind of like lost interest, you know, because she wasn't like yeah. neat and tidy, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so like the show like dealt with, you know, kind of that, that isolation that ended up happening and she couldn't really like help it. That's like a really terrible part of it for people yeah. is people just scatter. Yeah. When they find out it's more than just being bummed the out blues. for a couple days. Yeah. yeah. It, like people just don't think they have the faculties to handle someone that has the dreaded bipolar label and they just free and they just run and yeah. even well-meaning people like good people just don't think they can yeah and yeah. and that's and that's the thing that the show very sensitively tiptoed it didn't demonize the well-meaning friends right you know yeah. for not getting it totally you yeah. know but then it, it like it's like after the friends went away here's where maria was left mm -hmm. and i yeah. mean it was it's powerful and like it, you are laughing and it's this weird alt comedy thing yeah. that is like really raw and really tough. I like yeah. her a lot. Yeah. I've well, always that, liked that, her. That's story. like Marin. He was on Terry Gross uh, or Fresh Air a few weeks ago talking about the new season of his show. And on that season, he relapses. You know, it's yeah. a fictional account, but they played a clip where uh, you know he's talking to a doctor who's using all of like the kind of self help addiction rhetoric you know he tells him like nothing will change if nothing changes you know yeah uh and in the in the show mark maron's character is cynical and kind of makes fun of him for saying something cheesy but when he was talking with terry he's like you know what there's power in that stuff yeah you know it really does it might sound cheesy and it might sound like self-help but you know truth is truth and ultimately these are the things that you know people need in the in their time of need, they don't need people to be cynical. They need people who are able to speak truth and know how to speak language that's yeah. actually going to help them. They to encourage real change, to encourage real behavior changes in, in a way that isn't just writing them off 
it like, oh, just feel better. It's like, no, it's sometimes it requires changes and sometimes it requires real work on, on yourself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that'll do it for In Case You Missed It. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. I was a fool to love you. Fool to love. <laughs> like, are you looking for a fool to love, or are you a fool to love someone? Oh, that's the question. Like, would you like how foolish? Like, would you leave a three if someone left a three point nine? Like, comparing how good they had, good a time. I'm gonna say a three point nine is a pretty solid rating. Yeah, but pretty three solid. it really draws a lot of things into question. I like, think I think everything is in that point nine. Right. You know, that point nine says. What every why what what happened in that point one right? oh. that did not yeah. what what prevented it from being a four? Is it was it was know. one of those awkward four finger high yeah, fives. The high five. so it was like, like it didn't quite land. Yeah, didn't, yeah. yeah. it's like a, when you drive through yeah. the fast food yeah. thing and like you can see like the letter from the health department. Like this establishment <laughs> got a ninety eight percent, and you're like, well, that's good. You're like, that's <laughs> good if I'm taking an English test here. Yeah, but two percent terrified. Why, what did the health the, the, uh, inspector yeah. dock at two percent for? Just two roaches. Because if you can, like, because I'm not thinking of this. Is this is my point, Chandler? I'm not thinking about how you know the 98 percent right. that passed. I'm thinking about the two that is going to be a hair in my cheeseburger. That's right. What was the point? One. Or, yeah. If What's you give the me hair a- in the cheeseburger of her evening, <laughs> even if a cheeseburger is two percent hair. I got a problem. The hair yeah. and the cheeseburger of her evening. Uh, <laughs> what was the hair and the cheeseburger of her? You sometimes that's, that's what her number he is saying. Sometimes. Though it was very conscious. She wanted you to know that yeah. you are point one away from a four, which is you know really good. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Kenny Loggins, obviously with Danger Zone. Okay, it's time for slices. <laughs> what do you have, Jesse? Danger Zone is that point one. That is a danger zone. Yeah, there's something wrong here. So are you guys familiar with the work of Nate Silver? Yeah, of course. Nate, Nate Silver is a stats and analytic guru who first rose to prominence uh, back in the last election cycle where yeah. he used analytics to and predict. completely botched this one. He did. He got he it did. completely wrong. But to be fair to Nate Silver, uh, he's turned his attention to sports analytics and has uh, is running the site 538 for ESPN.com now. Um, but e- either way, he's he's somewhat respected in the world to, in the world of uh, uh, stats and analytics. So his site 538 constantly looks at the numbers behind trends and culture, and they recently turned their attention to Christian music. Uh, they wanted to see just how optimistic. 
pop Christian music was to the point of being you know, possibly theologically incorrect or at least theologically imbalanced. So what they did is they looked at the last five years of the Billboard's year-end top 50 Christian songs, and they tried to find pairs of theological concepts in the music to see if it was grossly imbalanced. So for example, if they if they wanted to see pairs of words like grace and sin or love and fear or life and death, and what they found is uh, obviously there was some imbalance. The music is is more positive than negative. Yeah. But compared, they then looked at the same uh, stat set for hymns written in the 1800s. So what they found is that radio-friendly Christian music is overwhelmingly positive. So right now, grace is two and a half times more likely to appear in a song than sin. Life is eight times more likely to appear in a Christian music song uh, than death. And love was seven times more uh, common than fear. Uh, the only huh. thing is that that's a new trend in Christian music. When you look at some of the hymns written back in the 1800s, they actually mentioned sin more than they mentioned grace oh. across every category. Life, oh, I'm sorry, death, darkness, fear, sorrow, judgment, the, the number of times that those concepts appear in, in hymns far outweighs Christian music today. So, I mean, you can kind of draw your own conclusion about uh, modern theology, but what it seems to indicate is that people are a lot more comfortable singing about positive things in the Bible uh, than contrasting them with negative ones. Wow. A lot of that's got to be marketing. I mean, like, you think about, like, our local station here— just, you know, it's like all their tagline is like safe for little ears. And it's yeah. like really like trying to be family. So, that you don't, I mean, we talk to our kids about sin and they have kind of a, we're trying to give them a well rounded theological perspective. But if you think of like what plays on the air, it's like songs about grace and Jesus is my God's, boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day, I hope I can say this. It doesn't, uh, you know, it's so long ago now. But Flynn, uh, a guy uh, who used to produce the podcast probably 10 years ago, was involved in Christian music production. And he said, you know, he had actually heard the term used JPMs in uh, Christian music uh, meetings, Jesus which is per Jesus per minute. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And they wanted to, to, to know. they. So the stats, the statistical breakdown of music is happening on the songwriting process in some cases where it's being uh, spun really positive so that it will be more appealing to listeners. But the thing is, uh, as, as they kind of show with some of these older hymns, that might not be the best representation of the Bible or the gospel. I'm not saying that the gospel is negative. It's not, it's good news. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with representing the good news, but good isn't good if it can't contrast bad. Yeah, I mean, the, the line that always gets me... It, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, and prone to leave the God I love. I mean, what could be more like heart-wrenching than the reality of that line? You know, that's, I don't know when it was written, but it's old. Well, even Amazing Grace. It's yeah. Amazing Grace because it saved a wretch like me. Yeah, that's exactly it's not. Right. It's not just a, Amazing Grace. It's because it, it was, did something that, you know, taught that's, my heart the power, to that's the power of grace. Yeah, it taught my heart to fear. And look, there, there are, obviously, we talk to a lot of Christian uh, musicians on our show and our publications. A lot of the ones that we talk to, I feel like, are, are pretty progressive in their songwriting. Uh, but I feel like it's something that a lot of them are cognizant of and know that writing good, compelling songs com sometimes means songs that deal with heavier stuff and, in some cases, real darkness. That's right. Well, and I also wonder if how much of that has to do with, well, you I mean, you just alluded to it, but who's getting played on radio? Yeah, like they did right. the study of Top 40 Radio. I wonder if they did 
all of the bands that have been featured in Relevant. You know, what? What? Yeah. how different would it be? Because I feel like a lot of bands that maybe don't get airplay are a little more the honest. The JPM's way too low. Yeah. It wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have charted. Oh, yeah. One or two yeah. JPMs. JPM's way too low. Like like two JPM, like two JPA, J, Jesus per album. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're lucky to get a JPM. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. What do you think our JPM is on this show? Maybe a PM? PE, maybe per episode. I think we get into like something of some sort of spiritual substance at least once. But, but, but that brings up a, 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 a good point is like, you know, it, 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 so there's a perception in some, I feel like, older, more traditional Christian circles when yeah. it comes to media consumption yeah. that any references to truth have to be very explicit. Like, metaphor isn't looked at as a good thing. Like, you know, like, analogy like meta- isn't metaphor, looked at as a, Metaphor, like the cheese it Oh. But like the cheese it is Chandler's undying love. Right. You know? <laughs> Are we naming it? Is, 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 a cheese it is a symbol for com- perfect compatibility that comes along once in a lifetime. <laughs> oh you do not want to slip through your grasp by rating a date 0.9 percentage points off because it can slip away forever and you'll never find it again. Like that's the metaphor. And Christians just don't want to hear that. They want to hear me spell it out. Right. Now the cheese question- love of your life. Don't let her go, Chandler. <laughs> Channing, do you, would you like us to name? Name this portion, the this kind of portion of the show, Ch- Chalissa or Manning? Because how do we? It's your it's your um, call. Uh, Chalissa is pretty good. Yeah, Chalissa it is. But eventually they're gonna talk about chalupas, yeah. Chalissa, which are delicious. So Chalissa so, go to think, a screening. I think at Taco yeah. Bell Chalupa, I'm pretty sure they grind up Fritos in the meat there. Yeah, so. Chalissa, Chalissa goes to a screening. Can you write a jingle around that? And have it ready for next week. Sure. Oh cool. my gosh, it'll be the longest like ballad that yeah, we've any of us have ever experienced. Just, uh, R&B slow jam. Hey, a uh, hot tip by the way. Say like I just need like a really good female vocal and like just make like it's all like jokey or whatever. But then have her sing. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like endless love. Like Pimo oh, Bryson. Do it. Oh yeah. Endless love. love. Harmony. High third. I nailed that with you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. What do you have, Eddie? Well, uh, literally on a... I I can't imagine a more different note. Um, uh, Wait, a note than the JPMs or the metaphor or or the the high C? Everything I have no transition is what I'm getting to. Uh, We need to remember the name Alina Melhern. Mulhern. <laughs> Obviously, I need to learn how to read. <laughs> uh, <Got> Alina, it. <laughs> nailed it. Alina Mulhern. She will be running for president in the year 2040. After watching uh, the President Obama's, the President Obama, President Obama's second inauguration, he said, quote, we are true to our creed when a little girl born into the bleakest poverty knows that she has the same chance to succeed as anybody else because she is an American. President Obama said this in his second inauguration speech. And at that moment, sweet Alina, who is, I believe, 10 years old when she hears that, realizes that she wants to be the president of the United States. So exciting. At which point, she has a conversation with her mom, Barbara. And Barbara says, quote, I had, uh, I had told her before that you can be anything you want to be, as, as we tell all of our children. And we all say this to our kids. You know, you can be anything you want to be. Jesse, you say this to your kids, or do you try to limit them right away? Uh, I say you can be anything you want to be if it's an NBA player. (laughs) (laughs) Just uh, let's talk about truth here. You might be making it as an engineer, but I don't care. Daddy won't be proud (laughs) of you unless you're in the NBA. But we're shooting for the NBA. Let's just lay the cards on the table right now, son. So Barbara, the mom, was brokenhearted when uh, her daughter said, I want to be president. Why? 
because she was adopted from China and came home at 10 oh, months old. Oh, no. And because she is not a natural born citizen under the Constitution, Article uh, 2, Section 1 of the Constitution, she is not a natural born citizen. Well, that's why Ted Cruz couldn't be president. But I don't understand because Obama. <laughs> How does it possibly work? <laughs> to which Alina has begun a petition that she sent to the White House. She's been all over Today Show and morning shows and things like that, trying to get the law ratified because there is such a high number of adopted children yeah. uh, in the country. And they're very smart. They're very no, smart. No, I no, happen no. to have a four-year-old adopted child who is incredibly smart, and it is a little bit weird that there is only one thing, literally, she could be a governor. She could be on the Supreme yeah, Court. Arnold Schwarzenegger. She could, yeah. right? She could do any job, but she could not be the president of the United States. It and does seem like such an antiquated law, and I and I, I don't know the history of it, but I'm assuming it had to do something with you know when the country was founded. They didn't want like right. a British, uh, you know, diplomat to infiltrate the government or something. I don't That's know. Exactly I'm, right. I'm, I'm presuming it had something to do with that. Right. But it, it no longer seems very relevant, and it actually seems counter to the whole American way. Yeah, that is... Which is a great in-flight magazine uh, by American Airlines. American so I, I read a review of a tapas place in Scottsdale <laughs> that <laughs> sounds fantastic. Should I ever be three miles outside of the Scottsdale uh, U.S. Air Terminal? I will visit. <laughs> well done. That was my letter to the editor that that was published. So she is trying to... You read those, by the way? The letters to the editor? Oh, I, I read it. They're very self-congratulatory. And I get it. We're in the magazine business. I know how those things are assembled. I know you want to represent variety, but they're faking every one of those. No one is writing letters to the editor at the end of American Magazine. Y magazine. Yeah, yeah, bravo last week on your expose of the steakhouse in, you know, Tacoma. <laughs> Nobody cared. Nobody read that. Everybody gives that magazine to their kid to keep them quiet for five minutes yeah. while they are trying to turn on the iPad and get the door you know, yeah, you know who? You know who read... Uh, uh, the five best martinis in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, like the, the editor who wrote it. <laughs> yeah, the editor there who wrote it, and the and the, and the person who accidentally uh, brushed by it when they were looking for the Sudoku in the back. So just right. get off your high horse. And what kind of animal leaves the Sudoku puzzle filled out and in the the oh, seat? The worst. And how You're many degenerates? How many degenerates are, are are visiting Fort Lauderdale with the sole intention of testing a bunch of martinis around town? <laughs> yeah, and they're more, <laughs> and inevitably they're more. Teenies at like uh, Chili's happy hour, which I'm sure is fine, but it's like I don't think I don't think and they got you know. an interview with a bartender too. Yeah, like I don't need you know. Oh, he's a local. Oh, get out yeah. of town. Yeah, okay, Rick. Glad you're <laughs> here. Yeah, for... You're telling me he didn't move to Fort Lauderdale for the bartending gig at Chili's. So. Yeah, <laughs> shocking. Oh, Rick. Rick also moonlights as a recording arts student down the street from Chili's. I got it. Look, I have not. I have no issue with bartenders at in Fort Lauderdale. No. I don't want to say that because no. I've been blackballed by far too many of them at this. Point. No, we, we love <laughs> all the establishes in Fort Lauderdale. I already can't go to, but let me say this: I just don't know if you're magazine expose type of people. Like that's oh okay. Gosh. Not everyone is. Oh yeah, you know? maybe God. you got a cool story. I don't know. Oh the point gosh. is, I shouldn't be asking. What's going on? <laughs> so you are just proving the point. So Article Two of the Constitution just has to be. Uh, she is this little girl is calling for it to be. 
amended and saying there may still be some uh, reasonable expectation of what a natural born citizen is and what we should expect out of the president. But she's saying with the influx of children who are adopted, who and she says, I'm, I'm from China. But I came home at 10 months old. I don't consider myself. Yeah. I mean, she's like, I'm an American. I'm an American yeah. citizen. Right. Um, she is saying I should be able to uh, run for president. And I agree strongly. I wrote oh. a letter to the president. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. He did not get back to me, but I'm sure he read it. And, well, he's been busy, but after, yeah. you know, he's, in yeah, a few he, months, he'll be yeah, He's a lame yeah. duck right now. I'll, what else is he doing? Yeah. And I'll write a letter to our <laughs> next, <laughs> next president. <laughs> Good. Good for you. He's got, president has nothing better to do during his lame duck session than to, to straddle up to a Fort Lauderdale Chili's and knock out some Sudoku <laughs> in that magazine. He's Write your write your write your president. Ask him to change that. Okay, so uh, normally we have three slices items, but we're a little short. Uh, so I, I I believe I've gotten word that that uh, Channing has one. I do. So to continue in the tradition of joy, asking a question to beginner slice. Yeah. Have any of you ever experienced a power outage that was caused by an unusual situation? Or- I, I, when I. Uh- was interning at uh, mom and dad's office. Yeah, squirrels. Once, uh, squirrels would, mm, would yeah. run across the electric lines outside and, and, and knock out power. Shut down the whole office? Yeah. 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 yeah they, would, they would get electrocuted and it would zap the power to the it, building. You kind of know that that's at least sort of payback, though. You're like, they're down on the ground twitching and the power's out. All right, we'll call it even. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 that squirrel just died an agonizing, terrible death, and I'm slightly inconvenienced for Exactly. Yeah, you proved yeah, my you point. Got what's, yeah, shut down your the, 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 yeah. the whole day. They're basically like a snow day or something like that. Everybody, yeah. Like a lot of times people just hey, go home. Hey, yeah. no power. Yes. Did you ever have the hunch that someone there were, that someone that just wanted a day off would train squirrels <laughs> or had some sort of, yeah. had figured out a way to entice the squirrel? Like, <laughs> with like, butter up just, there. Yeah, they put peanut, yeah. That's hilarious. They put peanut butter on the you eaves. You know what? That's probably Like, how, I'm out of vacation days, but man, I really, you know, it's opening day of baseball. I want to kind of stay well, home make, and watch make it. A you know? bag. I, I got I heard about this new bar in Fort Lauderdale that just opened. I'm gonna how can I get out? Today? Yeah, you gotta get down to Chili's. Yeah. <laughs> I so, heard Rick's Rick's got something yeah. he's mixed and it's yeah. gotten rave review. I mean everyone's been reading about this. Tristan makes a Chaco teeny down there that is completely <laughs> flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> they got a, they got this apple thing. Listen to this. It's got a Werther's at the bottom. Yeah, got to get down there for that. <laughs> See you, squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, our power's out. See you guys. Uh, be back tomorrow, I guess. Do we know? Anyhow, good opener. So yesterday, um, not just one building, but the entire country of Kenya, the power was shut down. Oh, boy. What? Internet power comes to a halt. Turns out... The culprit was a single vervet monkey. Vervet oh, monkey? That had gotten into some, uh, climbed to, onto the roof of a, a power station, right. jumped into a transformer, <laughs> and tripped it into overloading. Transformer bumblebee or transformer electrical equipment? I think, I think the you buried the lead. Equipment. There's a transformer? Yeah. In- <laughs> Optimus, <laughs> Optimus Prime is in Kenya? My name is Blackout. <laughs> <laughs> Soldiers unite. All right. Anyway, keep going. the monkey survived, and um, apparently, it's still not fully recovered. I guess because some it, of the it makes me very concerned about the infrastructure of not just Kenya, but our whole system. 
if somewhere in the world a monkey can shut down an entire country, and the monkey lived, like he was fine. Yeah. I feel like a monkey is more apt than a human to shut down a power grid, right? Because those fences that keep us out, because, you know, we'll drive down the street, you see the fences, it says, beware, we can't get in there, we're not going to get over it. A monkey just sees a huge, cool jungle tree. <laughs> yeah, a monkey's like, oh, thank you, Lord, for this blessing. I'm gonna... That is the coolest jungle gym I have ever seen. Yeah, and look at all the stuff inside, too. Transformers. Look at all the levers and stuff I can throw. <laughs> Exactly. I can literally do anything. I feel like a monkey is literally, if I was going to train an animal it to shut looks, down a grid. It looks like it was made for monkeys to monkey around. Yeah. Yeah. It even kind of makes cool sounds. Zip, 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 you know, like, yeah. I'm going to keep pulling stuff till the lights go out. And now they, now they know that if they get zapped, they'll still survive because one yeah. guy shut down Kenya and they oh, yeah. made it. Larry made it. We can do it. Yeah, no yeah. big deal. No yeah. big deal. We got it. Oh, man. Listen, yeah. I'm a little hesitant. I end up with like one of those fried squirrels. But look at Larry. He's yeah. fine. I mean, <laughs> he's still alive. Yeah. He's epic. Uh, um, you know, I mean, electricity in, in Africa, we did a, a piece in a couple issues ago in the magazine how it is a the greatest problem facing Africa right now. You would think poverty. You would think disease. You would think whatever. The lack of electric, electrical infrastructure, the lack yeah. of electricity is actually a thing holding back so much of the other things getting better because they can't out rural areas if they don't have power. Uh, they can't refrigerate meds. They can't have lights on for kids to do homework at night for education. I mean, there's so many things that... Pumping the, water, I'm sure. Much more and they're, they're cooking, you know, they're still cooking inside of uh, structures that should not have smoke in them and things like that and because they can't have right. power for a, a grill. Wow. Uh, you know, so, like, it is causing so much harm. It's a lack of electricity. Yeah. I mean, so... Uh, the fact that electricity in Africa hit the news. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but I mean, obviously, we're we're you know, this is kind of has a, this story has a funny novelty element to it. But yeah, I mean, if the infrastructure issues are so great that a single you know, you know incident of a w- wildlife could shut down an entire country, there's a problem there. Yeah, and I I've been to Kenya. I've and I mean Nairobi is a cosmop is an international city. I mean it's I mean it's a big deal. Yeah, that's banking. That's I mean for that portion of the continent, it's a huge city. Yeah, a big airport, everything. So I mean to shut down. Where's that monkey now? He's in okay shape. Yeah, he 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 survived. Wow, I mean a little bit good for him. Yeah, right. I mean he's just doing what he's supposed he's to. He's a do. legend right now. <laughs> unless 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 Larry the legend. Uh, oh, unless man. you know maybe he was trained by an evil scientist to do this exact thing. <laughs> Is there anything about that in your story, Channing? Yeah, because I think that's uh, they suspect. Uh, I think that's like the because think about story. it. You want to fly under the radar if you're an evil genius. You're going to train a legion of monkeys to oh, go yeah. around and that's shut like, down countries one by one. You're does, preaching to the choir. That does right sound now. like a Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or just some yeah, a very dark. Very yeah. dark Pixar movie. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Dustin Kinsru from Thrice joins us.
listening to our next guest. This is Thrice with the song Hurricane. Well, this week's uh, feature interview is brought to you by Warby Parker, a glasses company founded to create boutique quality, classically crafted eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Glasses shouldn't cost as much as an iPhone, so Warby Parker's glasses start at just 95 bucks, including the prescription lenses. Their titanium collection starts at 145 bucks, including the prescription lenses. Uh, Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free. You can use Warby Parker's home try-on program uh, to get five pairs of glasses shipped directly to you for free for five days, where you can get feedback from your friends and you know see if it looks good on your face. Uh, and then you send it back in a prepaid, uh, you know, label. Yeah. And then you can place your order for glasses, sunglasses, everything they sell. And for every pair sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. I have a lot of Warbies, That's and awesome. I love their company. I love what they do. They're cool. They look they're good. quality, and they're inexpensive, and they give to others. Come on, folks. Support Warby Parker. Can't go wrong. Visit warbyparker.com slash relevant to choose your five frames for your free home try-on today. Simply mail the frames back for free. Choose your favorite pairs to have your prescription added to them and order. Warby Parker makes your experience completely risk-free and free shipping all around. Remember, visit warbyparker.com slash relevant. Begin your home try-on experience today. Well, Dustin Kinsru is the frontman for Thrice, who have returned with their first album in four years. To Be Everywhere is To Be Nowhere just debuted at number 15 on the Billboard Top 200. Uh, Dustin's also known for being the former worship pastor of Mark Driscoll's Mars Hill Church. He stepped down in 2014 after writing a letter to church leaders explaining the need for more accountability and correction for Driscoll following several high-profile scandals involving the controversial pastor, we talked to Dustin about the political themes in the new record and how the experience at Mars Hill even inspired some of the songs. Here is part of Jesse's conversation with Dustin Kinsru. This album has a lot of political themes and imagery, and I was wondering what made you want to go in that direction as a songwriter this time around? Well, in general, when I'm writing lyrics, I try to let the music guide what I'm going to end up writing about. I feel like music's usually telling its own story, and you need to find a story that kind of overlays that. So with Thrice, the music generally pretty heavy you know in both senses of the word so usually I'm, I'm trying to find things that, that make sense to write about with, with the feel of what's already happening so um, combination of you know 2015 being just kind of crazy and the music being heavy um, I think that's what happened there's there some lines in blood on the sand that seem very specific and uh, I, there's also a lot of metaphor in the song but was there anything in particular that sparked that one or was it just the nature of political rhetoric at the moment um, I think what sparked that song is more just the violence that was prevalent uh, both in our streets uh, at home and in the streets abroad everywhere I looked uh, there was violence being done to, to people, to innocent people, and 
updates. The sad state of affairs, it's not something that I want to um, sit by and just say, well, that's just how things are. experience as just you know things in life and you know transitions with things with mars hill did that inform the writing of this record at all or did you kind of come in with a clean slate from all of that uh man i don't think you can really have clean slates in that sense but um and i think as an artist you don't want to uh, on one level but uh i mean there's there's tons of things throughout the record that are um, built out of more personal experiences. Uh, a song like Whistleblower might be a good example of the hybrid of those things where there's clearly outside things that I'm referencing. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of that is built also out of my own experiences. That's that's one that jumped out to me that seemed like it could be a reference to, you know, some things that had transpired because it seemed like during that time you, you know, were a vocal voice of really, you know, thoughtful correction and transparency. Did your experience with Mars Hill, is that a reference in the whistleblower song? Uh, yeah, I, think, I mean, it's not trying to directly telling the story it's just uh, I think there is a need for people to be um, courageously standing up for what they know is right against uh, you know policy line uh, whether that's you know in a, a private or public organization or in the government um, so I mean I have a lot of empathy for someone like Snowden even though a lot of people would really look down on what he did. Um, it's, I mean, the true crime is that uh, government was illegally uh, spying on millions of people, knowingly doing this, and that they were unwilling to stop. And, and uh, I mean, that that's really the crime there. And someone's saying, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the bullet and and say no. This can't keep going on. The people need to know what's happening." Uh, and that's a hard thing to do. Um, it's a really hard thing to do. So there's a lot of things working against, you know, potential whistleblowers in any kind of situation. And it's not something you want to do lightly because uh, yeah. there's huge, you know, ramifications anytime you do something like that. But I definitely think there is a time uh, and a place for that. And uh, there's enough going against in that position that I wanted to write a song that was, uh, I think, more empathetic to that uh, position. 
Yeah, I, I, I feel like it was certainly empathetic, but also empowering. I mean, I guess there's only a small portion of people that could relate to it on a scale of something like a Snowden or, you know, w- WikiLeaks or even something, you know, where you're exposing some manner of injustice in a church or something. But it seemed like it could be empowering to people, even if it's just exposing or, or being transparent about an injustice in their own life. It seemed to have a hopeful edge to it. Uh, I don't know if that was the intention, but that certainly came across in the song, I think. Yeah, maybe I would I could see it being empowering or encouraging. I, and I could see someone having uh, some uh, misgivings about that, being like, you can't just encourage people to go do these crazy things. But there's just, there's really so much. I, I did some research on kind of the psychology of what comes against people who are in that position, and it's, it's, uh, it's very intense. So I don't think there's a very big danger of people just running around and, and whistleblowing on nothing. Did you feel those type of psychological ramifications that, like, a, another high-profile whistleblower would? Yeah, I mean, I don't, know, I don't even think it needs to be super high-profile. There's just internal uh, and social relational uh, pressures that go into that, um, especially in a very unhealthy uh, environment. The album has some heavy themes, but there are these hopeful threads that I feel like are woven throughout, particularly in The Long Defeat, um, where, you know, there's glimpses of light outside. And, you know, I know there's a lot of literary references happening in that song. But, you know, towards the end, there's that that song, uh, for people who haven't heard it, has a little bit of a twist that you don't know if the protagonist, if it's if it's in his head or not. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about inserting? And I know it's uh, a is is it Plato? Is it the the, reference to? It's mostly built off of uh, concepts. Well, it's kind of a larger concept of the long defeat that Tolkien uh, references and uh, some of his writing and some of his letters. Um, and he's talking about this idea of uh, him, he views, because uh, because I'm a Christian, I, I uh, he might say Catholic, which would be the same thing in this case. Uh, and because I'm a Christian, I can't see um, human history as anything but a long defeat. And what he's saying there is um, the nature of the way that the world functions. Uh, Nothing is going to just continually get better uh, many times. The effort that we put in to make something change for the good is is not going to actually pay off. But uh, his point that fighting the long defeat was this idea of continuing to do the things that you know are right and are hard to to do, uh, even though you might not see um, some immediate uh, benefit or uh, good that comes from it. And 
So it seems really pessimistic and on one level, but it's actually uh, very empowering. Was Dustin Kinsroom. Make sure to check out Thrice's new album, To Be Everywhere Is To Be Nowhere, which is out now. Brothers Carrie and Chad Hayes are the writing team behind films including House of Wax, The Reaping, and The Conjuring, who are known for weaving spiritual and faith elements into their blockbuster thrillers. We recently talked to the duo about their latest film, The Conjuring 2, which opens today and tells the story of a family dealing with demonic possession. They discuss their own faith stories and why horror can be redemptive. Here is Carrie and Chad Hayes. You know, The Conjuring 2 is out now, your big film, and just like the last one, it follows, or at least it's based on a, a real-life couple, uh, Lorraine and Ed Warren. Um, so the Warrens dealt with, you know, a lot, I guess, uh, a lot of paranormal cases and whatnot in their careers. What drew you to their story, um, and particularly this d- d- demonic possession uh, as it relates to their story, to feature in the sequel? Well, it's interesting because uh, when we did the, the first film, uh, we loved the idea of telling these kind of stories to the point of view of people who had truly experienced something in their life. And mm. it gave us like a franchise, which we knew if it was successful, we could continue to tell stories and, and build on their characters. And Ed and Lorraine have been doing it for so long. And the idea of good conquering evil is always a great theme in a movie. Sure. And we thought, wow, what if we go out and we set out to write genre movies that actually have happy endings, you know, mm. because most of them don't. Most sure. of them that actually have love stories and love stories and make them feel like, wow, we're really giving you a film into these two people's lives who happen to be incredibly religious and faith-based. I mean, that's the only tool they claim to have ever used is their faith in God. And just literally um, be able to be on their journey and how it affects them. And when they step into these other people's lives who have nowhere else to turn, and it just really lends itself, we felt, to, um, to a great formula, you know, well, we also what, thought, what we like to do. Ted and I also thought about how, how unique it would be, because usually when you see a movie, it's the U-Haul pulls up and parks and you move into the wrong house, right? Yeah. But sure. when you have Ed and Lorraine, 
uh, and from their point of view, it's what disrupts the professionals' lives. You know, mm-hmm. what are the stakes when somebody super qualified comes in mm-hmm. to help thy neighbor, so to speak? Mm-hmm. You know, and we thought that would make it uniquely different. Because- and it's yeah, it's really you know, Aaron, it's it's such a pleasure having gotten to know Lorraine, yeah. you know, over the years, and to have shared or have her shared her personal experiences and and the fact that they did have some demonics uh, follow them into their place and had to deal with stuff like that and and so it was it just felt so honest and truthful because mm. you know Carrie and I are believers and we know that the devil exists and you know the more the more. Uh, the good doers stay away from it, try to pretend that there's nothing there, the worse it gets, because that's all Satan needs, right? It's just the room. And uh, yeah. and anyway, it was just challenging, but, but fun, and we felt um, creatively inspiring, because it could be, a lot of this can be double-checked online, mm. you know, with yeah. the Hodgson family. You can go to online and check out the levitation, the size of the story, the scope of the story, when the Warrens were involved. As I'm sure you guys have noticed, demonic possession is having something of a cultural moment right now. So, you know, TV shows, mm-hmm. uh, The Exorcist, you get to get a TV show, Preacher, Outcasts. Uh, why do you think that is? Why all the interest in the paranormal and even the demonic right now? I think, to be honest with you, I think the interest has always been there. It just hasn't been presented, you know? And I think with a crossover film like we had with The Conjuring three years ago, it just sort of opened up uh, the world to viewing, like, is that really true? And on a creative side, yeah, let's explore it. Let's see if people identify with it. So I think with all the stuff that's happening in the world today and just the presence of evil, that there's an awareness that has kind of seeped into people's lives where they begin to have a fascination for what it really is. Well, I also think that social media has really exploded the ability to look at it firsthand, somebody else's experience. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of in the ether, Mm -hmm. so to speak. You know, you're having the Vatican announcing they're training more exorcists. You have, you know, that there is a big battle growing here, and it is becoming more prevalent in our consciousness today. Mm. So I think that awareness is heightened because of it, not only because of, of a, you know, a, a, an entertainment value, but of a deep-rooted curiosity, uh, because, you know, everybody, you either believe or you don't, you know? Mm. And then those who, who do believe and have experiences are slowly able to convince those who don't believe, because you posted it. You can see it. Well, I find it so interesting because if you think about it, The Conjuring came in second as the highest grossing genre film ever, and the first one was The Exorcist. So here we go, another possession story, you know, followed second by another possession story. Mm -hmm. So it makes me feel like um, the interest is there. The interest is worldwide. It crosses over into virtually every religion um, with good versus evil. You know, there's always some form of of a god and a devil. And, And so it's... I didn't want to say it's cyclical. I think maybe people are just getting their handle, their, the way to handle it now, and finding their audience mm. to do it right, basically. You guys have touched on this in, in the first two responses in terms of good and evil and actually you know, having a substantial and uh, even redemptive narrative arc to the stories you're telling. Um, so obviously your movies are very dark and they deal with some really scary things, uh, but there is good at work. Um, how do you go about these? I'll use the term again, redemptive themes in your films, especially in a genre that hasn't always been known for that. 
yeah, we love the idea of happy endings in these movies and feel good and music swelling, you know, and they're still scary. They're still truthful. But to have a movie that's rated R that has no sex, no swearing, no blood is is just unheard of and it's virtually an R because it's just terrifying and it happened to us in the first movie as well so you know people out there that might prejudge and oh I don't want to support horror movies you know they're about darkness and the devil and all that this is about beating the devil and this is about family and love and and just what you said there's redemptive qualities to it that thematically are very important um, to carry on that was Carrie and Chad Hayes uh, the Conjuring 2 opens today. listening to div d-i-i-v all caps the song is under the sun it's time for your feedback well last week adam smith joined us and he was about to become a father he is now a father and so we asked you for advice for adam becoming a new father uh we thought he would be on the show this week to hear said advice uh but he does have the internet and we'll be seeing your the, the stuff you sent oh, on yeah. twitter and on this page so uh you guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com you also hit us up on twitter at relevantpodcast and here are a few of our favorites. O'Reilly gave a gave a weird one. Uh, when the child emerges, take a Sharpie and mark the child with a mark that only you and no baby snatcher can ever copy. I mean, there's just thousands of reasons no, no, no. why that would there never... There was an episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show where they accidentally, they, they thought they might have had a baby swap at the hospital. So this is a real thing. Yeah, later on, there was a lifeboat that opened in their closet. Yeah, no, no, all no. types no, of... No, no, no. You didn't want to know the big gag at the end? When they finally, they think they think this this baby is nothing like us, it doesn't look anything like us, oh my goodness, I yeah. think it got swapped, all this stuff, and the, their, the whole thing, th- at the very end of the show, the pinnacle moment, the the, the, the other family, they, who they the had found down, yeah. the, the other family shows up, the other family, it's black. Big joke. No. Big joke. Uh, uh, clearly, it's their baby. You know, it's, you know, I mean, it's- That like, was on TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the 1960s. Wow. Different time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. a different different storyline. So they, so they would yeah. never make it on Big Bang Theory or whatever. Yeah, no. Dick Van yeah, Dyke they, they weren't as politically correct yeah. at the time. Yeah. I just like that Dick Van Dyke has had two applications to today's show. Have you been binge watching <laughs> Dick Van Dyke? No, I've, I mean I know you. Because I, I watched it back in the day, but I can't tell you very many plot points. No, this is the, Dick Van Dyke. I've probably seen as many times as I've seen Seinfeld. Really? Um, okay. So Tim Rhodes said yeah, that. I love this. Go ahead. Uh, Tim Rhodes says, uh, this isn't advice, but it's a warning against the worst advice you'll ever hear. And I heard this all the time, too. Sleep when your child sleeps. So the thinking is for a new parent, like, take the opportunity when your kids sleep in to not have to worry about anything and get some rest because you'll need it. Uh, Tim suggests this is terrible advice uh, because who goes around sporadically sleeping all day? Uh, It might be the worst thing that they could suggest a human adult could do to sleep for 20 hours a day in 45-minute segments. When you think about it, it is pretty bad advice. That's a terrible sleeping pattern. It's like I think it's like the Jim Gaffigan. Is it Jim Gaffigan who said the joke? I, I can't. I don't want to discredit. Yeah. yeah, I was on the Dick Van Dyke show. He said, you know, who came up with the phrase sleeping like a baby? Whoever did has never had a baby because who wants to wake up screaming like a maniac every 45 minutes? 
<laughs> because that's what sleeping like a baby is like. It's terrifying. Uh, Lee Tucker. <laughs> the first thing you should learn to perfect is the Simba. Forget about diapers. And he included a gif of, of Mufasa holding up Simba proudly, which I, I think, you know, that's probably great advice because everywhere you're going to present your child, especially, you know, Adam's in Australia, you don't know how many times he's going to be on top of one of those cliffs <laughs> yeah. where he just wants to present the baby yeah. uh, to roaring crowds below. So that's pretty great advice. That was one That was one of my friend, uh, our pastor at our church, that was his move every baptism. He would pick up a baby and hold it out and do the Simba thing. And, and the babies had could hold their head up at this point. Right, they're like they're like little children. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. They're it's not, not the floppy. Head no, no, no. He was he was baptizing full grown adults. The, no, the, yeah, it was. He was very strong though. It was very very weird. No, yeah, they could hold themselves up. <laughs> Simba every service. All right, well that'll do it for last week's feedback. There's a lot more if you want to check out last week's episode page. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Hey. Well, earlier in the show, we told you the big news about our 500th episode happening on July 8th, and you can join us. You can join us not only for the live uh, recording and, and streaming of the podcast that afternoon, but you can also join us for Trapped in the Cage. As uh, Jesse watches 24 <laughs> hours of listener-voted uh, Nicholas Cage movies one after the I other. I commit to show up break. for 20 minutes of that, Jesse, because I just <laughs> love you that much. So we're setting up the website, <laughs> trappedinthecage.com. We're, we're putting incentives in there for you guys to... Uh, you know, participate, help raise money for charity water, and, uh, and, and, and whatever. As we're putting all this together, we would love for you to uh, contribute ideas of what you think, no, two things, yeah. the 500th episode should entail, yeah. what would you like to see happen on the 500th episode, and two, what should we add to the trapped in the cage uh, thing to uh, sweeten the pot a little bit and raise some more money for charity water? Yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing this because this is really unfolding now. Yeah, People yeah. Can actually oh, this sh- is totally wet cement. So, like, as you guys <laughs> contribute ideas, we will gladly add the good ones. I heard about most of this as you were just talking about it. Yeah. So we're really all figuring it out. Yeah. So good ideas yeah. may be heard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Nickelback thing, this is how the Nickelback thing started. Some sadistic listener sent us in feedback about it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. There you go. So uh, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You can hit uh, also post on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Uh, we will read our favorites next week, and we will probably implement many of them. So yeah, it feels like actually, yeah, a great idea. Yeah, we need help planning it. All right. Uh, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> do our work for us. Yeah. <laughs> many thanks. To, yeah, crowdsource yeah. work, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, We've crowdsourced entire articles on our website. <laughs> yeah. I just can't think of anything. Tweet, tweet me something funny. I'll put it on an article and get a lot of clicks from it, people. <laughs> many many thanks to uh, our guests this week, Dustin Kinsru. Uh, check out the new album from Thrice. It's called To Be Everywhere Is To Be Nowhere. It's out now. Let's get them above 15. Let's get them up to like top 10 on the billboard. Yeah, that'd be cool. Thanks also to Chad and Carrie Hayes, uh, the writers of the new movie coming out today, The Conjuring 2. Uh, Make sure if you like, if you like, uh, (laughs) if you're looking for a fun night with someone special. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, make it, you know. Trying to get a few more high fives. Buy buy him some candy before. Make sure it's a a 3.9, not just a (laughs) 3. Thanks also to our show sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you are supporting our show. They make it possible. And uh, remember, when you go to casper.com slash relevant, you'll get 50 bucks off any mattress purchase. Uh, at casper.com slash relevant and it's a great mattress you'll like it a lot and also uh, thanks to Warby Parker you can go to warbyparker.com slash relevant to start your home try-on experience 
today. Love them. Um, we really appreciate their support. <laughs> yeah. And when you go to those URLs, it tells them uh, that their support of this show is a good partnership for them. So Yay. appreciate it. Hey, make sure to get the magazine. The new issue is at the printer now, the July issue. Uh, I'll, I'll, we'll say next week who's on the cover, but it's a good one. You'll enjoy it. It uh, is a very good one. It's at the uh, printer now. If you go to relevantmagazine.com and subscribe, you will uh, get it. You will get it. You'll be on the first supplemental mailing, but you will get it. Uh, if you are a subscriber, you'll get it first, and it'll be hitting uh, your mailbox in the next 10 days or so. So um, mm-hmm. go check that out. Subscribe now. It's cheap. It's like a buck a month. Come on, folks. Yeah. That also supports the show. Now, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffoltz. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. My name is Blackout. (laughs) What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.